everyone, I'm Florence. I am sitting here with the wonderful Deborah Lea. Hi guys, it's Deborah Lea. We have decided, we've been talking for a long time about making the conversations that go on normally after a late night shear that go on in either my kitchen or somebody else's kitchen and how we can make all of those golden nuggets, all of the wisdom that comes out of these conversations more accessible. Um, for myself, I've definitely been on a spiritual quest for a number of years. I was very lucky to have Devorilea as my marriage teacher. And within that, that's where our, our relationship began. Um, but over the years, she's pretty much been my go-to person for anything that feels uh, unmanageable or out of the ordinary. And she has a lot of wisdom and I think it's time that that wisdom is shared. I can tell you from myself what I've gained is, I know my husband would agree with this, uh, that I've become a better wife, it helps me become a better mum. There is so much to learn in the world today. We're bombarded in, on social media with all of the advice and how do you do this and how do you do that and I think what became very apparent to me was how much wisdom and how much incredible guidance is actually in Hasidut or Kabbalah and being Jewish uh, we have direct access to that so how incredible to be able to learn it <laughs> um, anyway so I think what it's done for me as a person it gives me purpose in my everyday interactions my relationships my thoughts on life and the world uh, and so this podcast is called WISE, which stands for Women, Women in Spiritual, Spiritual Exploration. Yeah. And it's pretty much exactly what I said. It could be for any woman, any walk of life. And it's giving them the opportunity to connect and integrate some of this beautiful knowledge in their everyday life. So, Devorah Leah, would you like to tell us a little bit about where you're coming from in all of this? Sure. So I've had the privilege of teaching some amazing girls before their weddings and building lasting friendships and relationships with them. And through meeting them at that very pivotal time in their life, we've uh, evolved into more learning and we have regular classes. And like Flo said, very um, often we just have casual conversations over voice notes or over the phone, over Shabbat dinners. But we're always trying to discuss the things that are really pertinent and, um, and relevant to our lives and especially the emotional stuff that comes up as women, as women in this modern day and age, um, Jewish women living where we live in London and trying to deal with all the different things that life throws at us. Um, whether you're married or not, whether you're in a relationship or not, whether you have children or not, these are topics that we plan to cover that really resonate with women, young women, um, who are looking for answers, who are looking for guidance. And we felt that now, with everything going on in Israel, it was the time to launch this. Uh, we had been planning it for quite a while, but now there's a sense of urgency that we're all feeling a sense of helplessness or being stuck in the situation. What do we do from here? How do we think? How do we go on? How do we continue our lives, our regular, ordinary lives? 
with all of the pain that's going on. And so we wanted to share our discussions on this topic now and share some perspective on how it is possible to continue and what we should be focusing on, what we can be utilizing um, our abilities, our strengths, our perspective to gain insight, but to really strengthen ourselves and our families. Um, and this is where we wanted to jump in to this uh, conversation about Israel. Yeah, and I think um, it's fair to say that this whole, this entire devastation, like everything that's happened has had such a profound impact on every aspect of people's lives. Of course, the people in Israel who are directly impacted on this physically and mentally and emotionally, but us as Jews outside of Israel, how it's had more of an impact than I think people would even imagine. I have friends of mine who aren't connected, who aren't, you know, they, they didn't go to Jewish schools. They, their, their identity, their Jewish identity is something that has never really been part of their everyday life. And because of this, it's been so confronting to them. And therefore we wanted to talk about this so that people can realize like, you're not on your own. Like as a mum, I can say that I've really struggled to be present with my kids and to function as a mum. I found going on work calls to be like, just ridiculous, <laughs> like just ridiculous to dial in. And you know, some of the clients I work with um, I just couldn't even go there and actually after it all happened I had a call and the guy was like so how's your weekend and I kind of went yeah you know and I just kind of really deflected to him I was like what about you and he's like I made a roast and I cooked some soup and I was like Gosh. okay there's not much to like I can't really go anywhere from here so yeah how how we are all feeling like I don't think we ever understood we could ever ever comprehend how physically, emotionally, and mentally intense this would actually be. Um, I don't mind like sharing that um, I kind of got myself into more, thanks to Devorah Leia and an incredible colour bake that we did on the end of last week. It uplifted me in the most powerful way. I couldn't even, I, I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. We walked out there, me and you know a few friends, and we were like, wow, like how after feeling so low and so sad and so scared and so helpless, being around other women and like cooking colour and saying to Hillem, and it just made us feel so incredibly uplifted. And as I said, I've been on a spiritual quest for many years and, you know, there are, in the last couple of years, I've really connected to like the beauty of Shabbat. Um, and so on Fridays and Saturdays, one of the things I do, and by the way, it's not all or nothing, and we can definitely talk about that at a later date, it's what you connect to, but... One of the things I have definitely found to be really powerful in my own life is just to go off social media on Friday and Saturday, like just shut it down. And I had done that and I went to Shaw on Saturday morning and I was kind of really present with the kids for like, you know, for a bit of time. And I just felt like I was getting myself in a better place. And then come Saturday night, I turned on my phone and I saw the thousands of those people protesting in London. And I just went into a complete state of anxiety. I basically started shaking. I, you know, all of the symptoms of anxiety that you that anyone would would feel, I faced. 
And I was so upset that I was kind of upset myself, like, why are you looking at it? Like, why did you do that? You're in such a good place. And it's like, because we can't, we're bombarded with it. And we have to, you know, there's one mental part of us that's like, we have to know what's going on. Well, that's how I feel myself. And the other part of it was this, you know, just, you don't need to look at it. And I, I couldn't believe how instant it was that it took me to that absolute state of, I was petrified, absolutely petrified. And I am so blessed that I have such a wonderful group of people around me and, and friends. And one of my friends, I called her and I was, you know, very, very emotional. And she just gave me a theoretical, whatever it is, a, just a slap around the face to say, like, no, this is not what you're doing. You're not going there. And then I called on and I, I, I sort of utilised the spirituality. I, I delved into videos and themes and, and discussions and, and learning about what what is happening to us and what is the meaning of it? Like, what is the meaning of it? Because when we just look at the, the what is happening to us right now and we don't have any of the spiritual side of like, but this is why Jews experience this or this is what you should do when you're feeling like this. We have this wealth of knowledge and I can tell you it's made me feel... 10 times better and I think Devorale you should you should share some of that love right now because I think that's what people really need yeah so I I experienced from the moment uh, Simcha Torah went out and unfortunately I had to get back on the phone and then see everything coming in the feelings of shock horror anxiety and then being in the position I am, my husband and I, we have a community and, you know, we're leaders of this community. So then everybody's fear, anxiety coming to us in the forms of questions and frantic voice notes and phone calls and lots of conversations that we've had with many, many uh, community members and friends. Um, and we hear the same recurring fears and we feel them ourselves and everybody listening to this knows exactly what we're talking about um so that's the first thing i think to discuss what do we do when we feel hit like when you turned on your phone that saturday night or when the initial news came in or seeing the hor horrific images and videos what do we do how do we cope with that and how do we get ourselves unstuck from that feeling of paralysis, that feeling of helplessness, um, where do we go from there? So firstly, I do wanna say that it is very important to have those feelings because we can't just pretend everything's fine. We are not okay. And we need to validate our emotions, emotions of those around us, emotions of our children, and, and, and shed those tears. And that's also a very important part of dealing with the devastation and, and healing. I mean, we will get to healing, we're not there yet, but it is a very important part to have the feelings. But I think what, what causes us to feel the paralysis the most is not when we're going through the feelings ourselves, but when we don't even stop to have the feelings because we're just glued to our screens and we continue being bombarded by the hate and by the images that our enemies want us to see because they want to continue victimizing us and terrorizing us. And we don't even stop to process everything that's going on Can because of that. Can I just say that. that on that note? I think that's the thing is that because we are so living in this five-minute news cycle, right? We're just constantly refreshing the news. And then in between looking at the news, we're looking at social media. Like, 
it's just the bomb being bombarded with all of this constantly doesn't give you any space to actually do any of the mindfulness or, or to try and like comprehend anything that's like that, that you can do because all it's like this obsession we have I just need to see what's going on I just need to see it and then the second you see it you are instantly like pulled down to this absolute feeling of like what's the point like this is just too scary what's just the point? helplessness yeah yeah and let's be real all of us saw the images no matter how much we tried to shield ourselves some of us did actively try to shield ourselves and decided to delete Instagram and mm -hmm. you know different apps and some of us just went all in and watched every single video but there is no shielding ourselves completely we live in this world like you said it's it's a world where the news is coming in every second and we're addicted to that we're used to that so whatever you have seen whatever feelings you have felt it's important to stop put those images aside and to have the conversations whether it's with a loved one or with a therapist or even just lying by yourself and allowing the tears to come, it's important to have the feelings. I do want to say that it's important to validate the emotion that comes with it all. But then we need to be very careful with how we treat ourselves. We are gentle souls. The core of who we are is just a gentle soul. And the images and the information coming in is way too difficult and big and evil and coarse for our souls to bear. It's not something we could actually process. So yes, we feel the feelings, but there is no way we can process it properly. And therefore we have to turn to the things that our souls can do, the things that our souls can relate to. And that is where we start to start, start to feel empowered, that there is something for us to do. There is a response, the Jewish response. No, we cannot figure out all the problems in this world. And no, I'm not the Israeli prime minister. I'm not an army general. I'm not the people on the ground making those big decisions, but I'm a Jew and you're a Jew and we all share one soul, which means that we all share one body. And we know if, if I stub my toe, I, I hurt, my whole body hurts, I feel it. So when one part of the Jewish body, the Jewish whole is hurting, when Israel's under attack, we're all hurting. And that means in response, when one Jew anywhere in the world is putting in their effort, their spiritual effort, their practical effort, whatever it is in this whole war effort that we're all in now, that is going to have an effect on the whole Jewish people, on the soldiers on the ground, on the people in Israel, on everyone. So we have to realize we're so much bigger than just one individual being bombarded, feeling that fear, feeling the anxiety. We're so much bigger than that. We have perspective. We have Jewish wisdom, we have the Torah, we have the fact that we are Hashem, God's people, and that is what's going to bring us together as anyone who's been watching the good stuff, the good, the positive videos coming out of Israel and from everywhere of Jews increasing in their connection to Judaism, increasing in their positive deeds and their mitzvot, increasing in their pride of being Jewish, of our land, of the land of Israel, the land of the Jews, all of that is helping us feel much stronger, much more united, that we are able to come back from this. We have to remember this is not our first rodeo, unfortunately. The Jewish nation has been through this time and again. But for us, it almost feels mm. like it's our first yeah. war, although we've lived through many wars in Israel in our time, but the first serious, I would say, pogrom, mm. because that was something that, you know, for, for us, 
the age that we are, young women, it was always something we heard about, we grew up with, we all know about the Holocaust, we might have grandparents who lived through it. We definitely have read hundreds of stories and have heard all the biblical stories and we know what the Jews have been through. And yet somehow this is still causing us to shake in a way that we've never shaken mm. before because it's happening now in our times and we're not used to it anymore. We're used to living in a very free, Western, civil society. So it feels so anti-everything we know and everything we believe in that we think our friends believe, um, which is why we're so shaken and why we have to look back at the response that Jews have always had and what's kept us strong through all the millennia of everything we've been through and apply that now for ourselves. Well, that that's kind of what I think is really important to talk about. Unfortunately, we all know this is not something that is going to go away quickly. And so how... How do we carry on? Like, how, how do we, what can we utilize or what can we share with people that is going to empower them when they are in these states of paralysis? Because that's really what it is. We all have lives that we need to show up for, whether it's being a mum, whether it's your job, whether it's your family. And just like the psychological warfare that these evil things, I wouldn't even call them people, evil things are doing. Like, it's stopping us from even appreciating the blessings that we have. And I think that, as a mum, I've, I've really felt like that. And actually, I've heard that from a couple of people this week. In the most messed up way, it makes me, like, feel guilty when I look at my kids. Like, it makes me feel like I look at them and it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart because it makes me see images that I'll never, ever get out of my head. It makes me feel, like, guilty because I'm thinking about that whilst I'm looking at these blessings. And I think like that's that's the last thing that we ever want this evil to even impact us all the way over here. Like we are lucky, we are here right now, and we can do all the things that those poor, poor people can't do right now. So what do we what can we keep with us right now that will just help us get by and function and, and actually be okay with those feelings of guilt, which is as I said, speaking to other people, it's been quite validating to hear other mums and, and dads have, have felt similar things. But spiritually, what, what can you tell us? Well, when we're hurting, it's very hard to feel gratitude at the same mm -hmm. time. But I think that as a Jew, we are demanded to live a paradox every single day the same time that we say Kaddish, that we mourn for our losses, we're also saying Mata'ani in the morning where we thank Hashem for our life and for our blessings. And we're supposed to show gratitude for everything and realize that everything's happening for a purpose. So it is about trying to balance that contradiction almost, living, being human and being a Jew with our contradictory impulses where within us we have a living, breathing soul, which is a part of God and it's pure goodness, but we also have the animal side of us. That is a contradiction and we're always battling within. And this is happening now on an external level where you see literally the fight between good and evil in this world. And this is nothing new, but it is something that we need to realize, accept that we are living a contradiction. At the same time that we're mourning and grieving, we're also told be besimcha, be happy, live as Jews happily, proudly. It's very hard. Are we supposed to be feeling sad or are we supposed to be feeling happy? What are we meant to be doing? Oh, you're supposed to be feeling both. 
And yet that's the truth. And so I think looking at it from a spiritual perspective will help us because in spirituality, you can manage many things at once. Mm -hmm. When you get to a physical element, like let's say a cup of water, you know, if it's a full cup of water and then someone drinks half my cup, I only have half the water left. But in spiritual reality, let's say a concept like love, if I have all the love used up for my first child and then my second child is born, they don't get half the love and the other child is left with the other half. Somehow... My middle children would argue. But, <laughs> but the mom knows <laughs> that somehow every child gets all of your love. And that means that spirituality is not defined by borders. You don't have um, boundaries like you do in the physical world. And so, yes, we are able to exist with paradoxes because we are spiritual and physical beings at the same time. And one of my favorite quotes you've all heard, um, but this really resonates with me, is that we are not physical beings on a spiritual journey, although our podcast is called Women in Spiritual Exploration. But we are not physical beings on a spiritual journey. We are spiritual beings on a physical journey. We are, at essence, a spiritual being. We are a piece of God. Now we are sent to this world and we have this physical journey in this lifetime, however many years we grace this earth. And this journey at times is very, very painful. But what is our response? We are a spiritual entity. That's who we are really, just in this physical journey. So what is the spiritual response? That's what we want to get to. And we need to look at history. We need to look at examples of goodness around us. Um, gain inspiration from people that can help us. And all of that brings us back to our Jewish values, which are clear as day, very plain to see. If you just open up the Torah, learn the deeper aspect of the Torah, all of this wisdom that we're going to be discussing in all of our episodes is coming from Chassidut, which is the deeper aspect of Torah based on the Kabbalah, the secrets of the Torah, and looking to find answers, inspiration from the deepest aspect of the Torah is what will strengthen us. And so at the same time that we're crying and we're praying and we're pouring out our hearts, we're also coming together and singing and dancing. And you see it coming out of Israel. You see, hopefully you're watching the, the positive stuff, the good videos of the soldiers singing and dancing and holding a Torah and dancing with the Torah. And this is what we need to remember. Those who hate us knew exactly what they were doing when they attacked us on Simchat Torah. It happened on the day of rejoicing of our Torah. It's no coincidence. Just like they attacked us on Yom Kippur exactly 50 years ago, they chose a day to attack us on Simchat Torah. And Simchat Torah is all about every Jew's innate connection with their heritage, with the Torah, with their connection with God. It's not about what you know, what you observe, what you do or don't do, or if you know how to read the Torah, the prayers, you know Hebrew, you don't know Hebrew. It's nothing to do with that because if you see the celebrations, the way we observe Simchat Torah, it's not by opening the Torah and learning it and discussing it. It's by closing it, putting its cover on, wrapping it up, and then dancing with it. Every person equal when it comes to dancing with the Torah. And that is exactly what our enemies wanted to attack the very essence of being Jewish. They didn't care if they were attacking Israelis who were observant Jews, Israelis who maybe had even renounced their faith, Israelis who were right, who were left, maybe many Israelis who even were on their side. They didn't care. The fact that you were Jewish was a good enough reason for them to attack, to kill, and to maim, and to take hostage. So 
that is what we need to connect to in our response. You try to shut that down. We're going to keep that open. We're going to keep that going. And that is, again, not about necessarily how you connect, but it's knowing that you are connected no matter what and that your soul is alive and your soul is a part of this community. It's part of the community of the Jewish people. It's part of this godly entity. And knowing that will then send us in that direction of, well, what is a soul supposed to do in this physical journey? What are we meant to do as Jews in this world? Once we have that guidance from the Torah, then I think we're able to start discussing actual practical tools that uplift us, that empower us. I know that night at the challah bake, we all came in so morose, mm. so deflated, so down. And, and and leading up to that challah bake, just a few days, everyone in those few days just feeling so paralyzed, mm. so helpless, and coming in to the challah bake, but coming, coming together, knowing that coming together as a community was going to be the support that we needed. Everyone coming in, hugging, crying, just being very, very low. And... What, what happened at the Chalabeg is, first of all, we connected with an ancient tradition of Jewish women, which is to bake challah, specifically the mitzvah aspect, not just baking bread, but taking a piece, remembering that all of our blessings come from God and taking that piece for God and saying the bracha, saying the blessing on it and putting on happy, joyful music, which again, feels in a way almost wrong. Why are we dancing? Why are we putting on a happy song? Because... This is the joy of the soul. What's the joy? Knowing who we are, knowing exactly who we are, not allowing our enemies to change that, not allowing supporters of the enemies to change that, public opinion to change that, knowing exactly who we are, that we are a blessed people who are charged with being the moral compass in this world, being a light in this world, no matter what, no matter if that causes hatred towards us, and it does, no matter what the response from the world is, but this is who we are, and that's something to be joyful about. On that note, I think it's like a an important thing to to also, to also discuss that we are just obsessed with everyone liking us. We are obsessed with everyone fighting for us. Like I I get involved in it myself. I'm not like judging here because I totally take part in the fact that like when a who whatever celebrity comes out and says something about you know standing up for the Jewish people, we're like, oh my god, we've got this one and we've got that one. And for like a couple of days after it happened, I was like, it hit me, and I was thinking to myself, how like sad is that that a massacre happened, like of the worst things you could ever ever imagine, and we are just so desperate for people to acknowledge it and be like didn't it happen and like you're going to stand stand up for us and like you saw it like and now the pictures are out there and and even though the pictures are out there people are still saying yeah but it didn't happen and we're just so obsessed with being accepted and I think that is like so heartbreaking as well because I you know I think there are there are so many people who will rightly so come out and stand with like what is right and what is wrong but that's the thing that I now want to hold on to it's like it's not about the details because this like olympics of how many people died and how many people are suffering is just it's futile there's no point to it oh. but being able to hold true and like, go to sleep every night knowing that like we're saying the truth like we're speaking the truth I think that we are to some extent obsessed with public opinion, 
Because if we could see the truth in all the wars in Israel, the situation in Israel, how could you not? You're my friend. You're my coworker. You're my neighbor. You you send your kids to school with mine. It's so difficult to wrap our heads around how people don't see it from our perspective because we know that we're a peace-loving people. Yeah. Our agenda was never to kill, was never to hurt. It's only to help and be part of society in a, in a positive way to contribute to the world. Even if we do have to go and, and form armies and fight, it's only because we're trying to defend life. It's always about life. It's never about death, which is you know the opposite um, agenda that our enemies have. And... I think it's it's so hard for us to grasp that not everyone sees that, that we're always kind of on this crusade to get people to see it our way and, you know, that we need that, that approval and we need that vindication. And when people do stand up with Israel, like now, you know, thank God, lots of governments are standing with Israel, including our own here and in America. And that feels good. That feels like, ah, we're justified in our cause. Now you see it the way we see it. And it's nice. It's a nice feeling. I, I think it, it's, it's lovely to see people seeing the truth. But on the other hand, I really feel like now we see that it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter if they see it our way, if they don't see it our way. Nothing's changing. Meaning we can't allow public opinion to sway our opinion. We have to know who we are always. Mm. Because... You know, even those standing with Israel now will change when things evolve on the home front. They will change, as they always do. And we're already getting all the questions about proportion, and and it's only going to continue. And uh, people have short memories, short memories of the Holocaust, short memories of what happened a week ago, mm-hmm. and, and we know what's to come. And, and that cannot change what we know or what we must know about ourselves. Um, I think we have to stop being so obsessed with what everybody else is saying and thinking, because we have to remember our existence is not a normal one. We are not just another people, just another story. We know it because we see it clearly, the response that the world has to other people's stories when things are are going on and killings are happening in other parts of the world. There's no obsession with it like it is when it's happening in Israel. Everyone knows that. So Obviously, our existence as Jews and Jews in Israel is not a normal one. There is something beyond the physical, something that's going on here that's very, very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And we have to start seeing ourselves in that light, that we're a spiritual people. And the only opinion that matters is ours towards ourselves. And that should be in line with the way God sees us and the way that we were created to do what we need to do in this world to do our mission for what we were sent here as the Jewish nation to do. And and that's really all that's important. And if someone is not on our team, if someone is standing up against us, I don't think we should waste our our energy on trying to convince them and trying to use uh, our history and facts and, and just being human and all the arguments that we have to try to convince them because it's not a normal, rational argument. It's something way above the rational. And we have to start embracing who we are, that we are supernatural in a way. We are sent here to do a mission that is not normal. We are sent on this earth in order to do something that is supernatural. So we have to remember our place 
and our job and where our energy should go because we have only so much energy and we have very low reserves of energy right now. Our resilience is being tested at its very core. And when we are weakened in a physical sense, our response has to be stronger in a spiritual sense. On a personal level, um, anyone that knows me, my friends will laugh, is that like, I like crowdsource rabbis all around the world to basically become this like fangirl. Like, did you see that rabbi and that one? And whatever. I like to, I think, on, as I said, on this spiritual quest, I love to welcome in lots, not lots, but different perspectives. And one of the rabbis I follow is um, a Kabbalistic rabbi. He's not, he's a rabbi, yeah. Um, and he was making an incredible point around everything that happens in this physical world is ref is a reflection of what's happening in the spiritual world so what that means as an individual is what he said that you know we see all of this terrorism happening and what does that mean to you as an individual it means asking yourself like how am I terrorizing myself how are my constant negative thought loops terrorizing me and I just wonder what you like, if you can elaborate on that. So if we start looking at Kabbalah and understanding the source of the inner workings of creation and how everything came to be, there are so many different realities all happening at the same time. The spiritual world, the physical world, the emotional world. It all has names in Kabbalah, which maybe we'll explore at some point. Um, but everything that's happening every moment is going through at least four spiritual worlds and then getting to this world and and we're going it's a process so 100% what we see on the ground with our physical eyes you know with our senses is only the last step in a full process of everything that's come before it to make that manifest in the way we see it here and so we do want to try to get back to the source how should we how should we be responding to the emotional side of it, to the mental side of it, to the spiritual side of it, because it's all one thing. You cannot separate these things and put them into compartments, right? It's all happening at the same time. And um, when we start thinking about the purpose of why we're seeing certain things, everyone has a different feed, what's coming into their lives, what they hear, what inspiration they hear, what scary things come their way, what uh, conversations they have with close friends and relatives. And also just where we end up every day, physically, where we go, what we do, all of that is directed towards us for a purpose. And it's very easy to just look at all of it like it's just chance. That's what's happening. You know, it's called normal life. Or to look at it with a renewed sense of purpose that every single thing that comes my way or that I find myself doing was meant to be, is meant to be. And that there's a hashkacha a providence, a divine providence to it. So if I'm feeling something specific and it's very, very hard and it's not a pleasant thing to be feeling, there's a reason I had to go through that. Maybe that's the thing that's going to help me relate to a friend a few minutes or a few years down the line who's going through the same difficulties, the same anxieties, and I'm able to actually help with compassion because I know exactly what that feels like. Every single thing that happens to us has a purpose, no matter how painful it might feel. And so we're trying to look here at what the inner purpose is, trying to relate to all those aspects 
all realities that are taking place at the same time and trying to focus on what it is that I can do in a practical sense that's going to help me because I do have to look after myself, which will in turn help my family, help my friends, help my community and the wider Jewish world and the world, the whole world, all of society, all civilization. It's all one thing. It's all connected. I think something that I found quite amazing, actually, is a couple of people have said to me this week that despite feeling all of the emotions that we've talked about today, they were walking down the street and they saw a homeless person and, you know, normally they'd be like, oh, I'm in a rush or, you know, I'll try and do... But they made a point of stopping and, like, asking them if they wanted food or, you know, just helping, helping them. And that's not one person, it's a couple of people who've said that to me. And I just think that's so, like, that's so powerful because those are the things that we are in control of. Like, we can't control, I mean, we can, we don't need to go on social media, but we can't control what's going to happen. We really can't. We have to, like, pray and hope that things are going to be, you know, that things are going to work out quickly and just all of the hope and inspiration that we've been talking about. But on a day-to-day basis we can do that extra good thing to other people, to our families. It doesn't even have to be this like grand thing that you're giving money or you're doing all of this stuff. It's like maybe taking a second when maybe someone in your family or your friends have said something that can really annoy you and to think, oh, that's so annoying, actually think to yourself like they're struggling too or just have that compassion because the thing that I loved about what this rabbi was saying was that we all have so much of this inner work that we need to do. And that's that was really what he was saying, is that we see all of this stuff in the external world, like this terrorism and all of this work, this awful stuff. But what we don't appreciate is what are we actually doing for ourselves? Like, how are we working on ourselves day to day to try and improve our own mental health, to try and be kinder to ourselves? It's like, what can you do that is going to enhance or, you know, uh, elevate your own consciousness? Because when we can elevate our own consciousness, he very clearly and beautifully explained how the two realities are are aligned. When we can elevate our consciousness, the consciousness in the wider world is elevated. This perspective that you're sharing, coming from Kabbalah, again reinforces that idea that nothing is in isolation. What goes on within us, we might look at ourselves like, oh, I'm just one little person, I'm just an ant in the cosmos, you know, and it's such a bigger reality than just me. But actually... The whole bigger picture is made up of all of us, of each individual, and each person has their purpose on this earth. And it's so true that what we do, the perspective that we take, the action that we implement, is what's going to change reality for the better. And we have it in our power. We can definitely do this. And this is where we get some relief, some answers to that question. I'm feeling so helpless. What can I do? How do I get out of this hole, this darkness that I'm experiencing? It's by doing. And even if you don't feel like doing, but start taking little steps. If there is conflict in the world and we increase, like you said, we increase in kindness in our own little life that might feel so small, you are bringing more kindness into the world, which will have a cosmic effect on the world at large. If you're experiencing darkness, then you need to do things that actually bring light to your little world, which again, in turn, will bring light to the wider world. So there are small things that we can do. Try to have more shalom by it, peace, peace in your relationships, peace at home, peace in your marriage, because all the discord in the world all started in someone's living room or bedroom. 
So reversing that trend and having more peace in the little rooms within our minds and within our hearts and our homes is going to bring more peace to the world. Spiritual light, we as women have the power to light Shabbat candles, actually bringing light. It looks like such a tiny flame. What difference can it make? And yet we know that the collective power of hundreds of thousands, millions of women lighting their flames every Friday night before Shabbat comes in and welcoming the peace of Shabbat is bringing light and peace to the world. When you have a dark room, there's no way to improve the dark situation by bringing more darkness into the room. Nothing changes. You cannot fight evil with evil. You cannot fight darkness with darkness. The only way to change the situation is by lighting a little candle. You can have the darkest room possible with no windows and no gaps and in, under the door and everything completely black and you light one tiny flame and all of a sudden you can see. And that is the point. That is what we can do is bringing little pockets of light where we can and shining them into our immediate surroundings, but knowing that they have this cosmic effect of shining light into our spiritual reality, which overtakes the whole of existence. In Hebrew, the term for lighting Shabbat candles is Neirot Shabbat Kodesh. Neirot meaning candles, Shabbat Kodesh, holy. And if you take the first letter of each of those words, it's a Hebrew word spelled Nun Shin Kuf, which is Neshek. Any of you who live in Israel or who speak modern Hebrew knows that's how you say gun. But the word neshek actually means weapon. And this is a powerful message for Jewish women everywhere, that when we light our Shabbos candles, that is our weapon. That is how we bring betterment and goodness and light to the evil situation around us. So we do have that power. We have so many things that we can do. We can put a mezuzah on our door. A mezuzah has the words of the Shema inside it on a little scroll wrapped up. And, and that's the mark of a Jewish home. When we come in and out, that's what's protecting us. So if you don't have a mezuzah yet, you can get a mezuzah for your front door. Or if you have one, you can get it checked to make sure that it's all in good kosher order. Lighting your Shabbat candles, saying prayers, saying words of Psalms to Hidim has an immense effect on high. These are things that the soldiers on the front line who are fighting the fight are asking us to do because they recognize and they know that it's not a one-pronged approach, that it's not just what they do on the ground that's going to change the situation and win the war. It's what every Jew is doing on the ground, wherever they find themselves and whatever influence they have. So if you're a woman, this is what you can do. If you're someone who wants to volunteer and go fight in the army, amazing that you want to do that and go do that part. But every one of us has something that we can do. And when we feel that we're doing for Israel, that we're doing what's in our power to do, that's where we start to feel lighter. We start to feel lifted. We start to feel that we can come out of this hole and we can sing Am Yisrael Chai, long live the people of Hashem, long live the Jewish people, because it's not something that's just happening to us now. It's part of our story and our story will continue as we see. It's never been that our story ends when people start to attack us. And we've been through everything. We've been through the worst and we are still here. We're the only ones that are still here. What's that quote that if it's still bad, then it's not the ending? Because like, every know, story has yeah. a beginning. Yeah, yeah. no, because we know the end. ending is good. So. Is good, right? That's a good point. And we, we are living another episode in the Jewish story, which is very familiar, but still jarring and shocking. But we know that every story has a happy ending, and this will too. And so this is not the end of the story. We are in the middle. We are still waiting for the, the happy outcome. 
And we know that eventually there will be world peace. There will be an end to the suffering. There will be a resolution. There will be hope. And that hope is going to continue and help us continue till we see that peace. And we'll talk more about yeah. that, the, the future and what we can look forward to and what our perspective can be on making it yeah. become a reality. Right now, we were trying to deal with the beginning and the middle. Yeah. Actually, not the beginning. The beginning is the beginning of our story as Jews for millennia. But we're still in the middle of the story. And we want to focus on how we get to the ending, how we get to some kind of conclusion and that it's going to be good and knowing it's going to be good. So we're doing our part now. Every single one of us is on the front lines, has been called up to duty. This is what we can do. Increase in your goodness, increase in your kindness, increase in your mitzvot, increase in your pride of being a Jew, increase in your identity, increase in your love for your friends, your family, and everyone around you, because that love, that power that we have to rise above and to keep the message of God alive, that no matter what, we are still going to live by these values. We are still going to hold strong to these values. We will never turn into the values of those who try to attack us. That is never going to be us. We see the response. We see the positive videos coming out of Israel, the resolve, the joy, the hope, the friendship, the unity of the people in Israel now, even those who have to do the dirty work of fighting. They are still so positive and still holding on to the Torah and dancing with the Torah. So the attack began on Simchat Torah, but this is not over. And the joy of holding ourselves strong to the Torah, to our identity as Jews, is going to continue. They try to snuff that out, but it's never going to be snuffed out. We will continue our Simchat Torah. We will continue our pride in who we are. And if you ever feel down, if you ever feel like it's just too much, it's just too sad, it's just too helpless, then put down your phone put it away, whether you take a break on Shabbat or any day of the week, put it away and go do something that's going to make you feel plugged in to who you are. Wow. Amen. Amen. Thank you everybody for listening and we really hope that you can take something, you can pass it on to people. Um, as we said, we'll be back with some more topics or some more questions. But Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for listening.